are cruising through the book of Ephesians. We are in chapter 5, 25, 33. Please follow in the reading of the Holy Word of God. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word that he might present to himself the church in all of her glory, having no spot, no wrinkle, or any such thing, that she would be holy and blameless. So, husbands, ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. No one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes just as Christ also does the church, because we are a member of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to the Christ and the church. Nevertheless, Each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Father, teach us this morning, prepare our hearts even now, that we may hear your word and say amen and amen. Lord, you created marriage, you created the body, you created the body of Christ, and you created the bride of Christ. So let us pull these all together. And Father, let us rejoice that we are called children of the Most High God. We love you. In Christ's name, amen. I shared that this book in its totality is the unity of the body of Christ. It's it's the essence of what is the church. I mean, I look, I mean, you can make a, a quick statement and say, well, it's the pillar and the foundation of truth. That's what Paul told Timothy. Okay, and I think 315. Yeah, it is. But you have to remember that when God made creation, the idea was in the beginning to make this a representative of what was going to come. The sin of Adam did not catch him off guard. They had already planned our salvation before they made creation. Well, if they've planned our salvation before they made creation, then that means he knew we would fall. Okay, and you can go chase your little rabbits and say, well, where did sin come from and how did he get there? If it was great and it's perfect and all the rest of it. And I will tell you the same thing that I have been told by great men of God over the years, that it's none of your business. Because if he wanted you to know where sin came from, he would have written it down in the book. And he didn't. All right, so you can scratch your head and say, well, but I can tell you this. Tell me that there is no sin. Okay, so pretty simple. All right, when we come to Ephesians 5, we've already looked at it that wives are to lovingly and graciously submit to their own husbands. All right, and husbands are to lovingly and graciously, sacrificially, giving themselves to meet the needs of their wives. Paul is telling us that in marriage among believers, 
This will make relationships like before the fall. That would kind of stand out, wouldn't it? That'd be one of those, whoa. That's the idea. Being what God designed. Not what you think or what you design or what you have planned, but what did God design and how do I get there? You want a meaningful relationship. I don't know anybody who doesn't date or anticipate marriage with the essence of it becoming a meaningful relationship. The problem is, is that too many are satisfying, settling for uh, what I call icky sentimentalism. You know, she wears the perfume I like, he wears the cologne I like, she likes flowers, he likes, I don't know, tickets to the ball game. And, you know, two weeks vacation, we're going to go to the beach, we'll go do this. And that's what we base our relationships. Brothers and sisters love you. That is not a meaningful relationship. Okay? Doesn't mean you don't have fun. You know, let's all go to the beach and get sunburned together. Hallelujah. Two are one. Okay? But that isn't it. But... A meaningful relationship is to set with one another and ponder the existence of God, the evidence that is all around us, and to understand the meaning of the time and how do we, singular or as a couple, redeem it? How do we use it? How do I use to instruct my children in the things of God so that they will come to the saving knowledge of the Savior? How do I touch my co-workers with the gospel of Jesus Christ? How do I do that? See what I mean? The relationship is way more than she's cute. Ah, he's handsome. Because you know what? Gravity's going to catch up. And cute ain't quite as cute and handsome as they will. If you want a meaningful relationship, then a wife will submit lovingly to her husband because he cares for her, he protects her, and he is the head of her. And she does it willingly. She doesn't do it, I'm submitting. Okay? A husband lovingly sacrificially, self-sacrificing, gives himself to meet every need of that woman. Now, husbands, that does not mean that says, I want this brand new car, so I'll buy her this really nice dress, and I'll go ahead and get my car. That ain't what that means. All right, I've seen, well, of course, I've seen that both ways. All right, the husband loving his wife will lift her up and exalt her with all of his heart. Now listen, if you're exalting somebody, that's not icky sentimentalism. I exalted her. Why? I sent her some roses. Them suckers going to die in two weeks or less. Okay? That, that's not what it is. It's not what it is. If you uh, are going to see this right relationship... 
First, you have to have Christ at the center. But then you have to have the Spirit of Christ control the relationship. All right. When we lose focus of Christ at the center, then who's in the center? You will be. And it will be ugly. It will be ugly. We must be in Christ. Remember what he started in the first three chapters? We must be in Christ. Okay? It's not a said salvation. It is a real, legitimate salvation. When that happens, then you can pursue Spirit-filled. And Spirit-filled is, I am doing what the Spirit of God says. Period. How many of us just go out there and get after it, cross our fingers and hope it works? I've run into people who refused to take jobs in different areas because there wasn't a church. I mean, there were churches, but there wasn't a church there that exalted the Lord Jesus Christ. And they didn't go. Well, but how do I provide for my family? How do you provide for your family if you do not have a place that will purify you with the washing of the word? How do you? I don't know how you do that. You know, I, I bounce around with some of my travels. I go to different churches. I, I don't know. I don't want wishy-washy. I don't want a pastor stand up there and say, I think this is what this means. Okay, then sit down. Sit down until you know what it says. It's not that big a deal. Sing. You've got a 12,000-piece choir. But these are things that you have to be aware of. And I, and I, uh, and it's a little frustrating. It's a little frustrating. I've had people say, well, why aren't you guys that very big? I mean, you've been there all those years. And I said, there's not people desiring the pure milk of the word. And uh, the reason is, uh, specifically Castle Rock, I guess, we've got everything we need. I don't have any need. You know, I got two weeks vacation, car payments, house payments, motorhome payments. I'm doing good. But it's not true. It's not true. Paul says, it is possible for wives to submit to their husbands. It is possible for husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And they can do it to the degree that marriage was designed by God before the fall. That's staggering if you think about it. Uh, marriages are uh, basically a mess. We can reverse the fall in marriage. But there's two things that flat out cannot be substituted. I don't care if you go to marriage counselors or if you got a bunch of DVDs or how-to books or any of them other things. One, we have to have... Do you... This congregation has had the greatest understanding of marriage ever written. 
When I deal with the book of Genesis and this text, you have the greatest understanding of marriage. You're not going to get it in a how-to book or a, this peace, love, and tranquility book or any of them other things. God wants our homes to be the way He designed them. And these two things can't be substituted. One, you must be in Christ. I'm talking life changing. Your very nature changed at your salvation. If it didn't, then you're not saved. It's that simple. And you know, I hear people say, well, I wasn't that bad. You know what? You just stepped into the level if with Satan. Because Satan thought he was like God. And if you think you weren't that bad, then you're on that course. So yeah, I guess you're not that bad. You're only demonic. God wants our homes to be the way he designed it. Listen, it is for our sake, but it is also for his glory. And that's why he has set this before us. Here it is. God has never asked something that he doesn't provide for. His conditions are simple. You must know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when you fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ, then you will find that you automatically, by your new nature, walk in the Spirit. You ever seen the, the young lovebirds? I love them. They're so cute. <laughs> well, they are. You know, just little eyes are fluttering and just, you know, I can move around without moving my feet. But uh, weird stuff like that. You know, God bless them. Why don't we feel that way with Jesus Christ? Well, you don't want... But why would He call us your bride? If I could get young people to fall in love with Jesus Christ as they do with whatever, then they would be all walking in the Spirit. And you sit there and go, cool, check that out. And, and they, these are things, to me, that seem so obvious. I mean, we say, oh, yeah, I love Jesus. Really? Wow. Don't act like it. Usually when you love somebody, people around you see it. <laughs> I think they have a sweet spot for that person. Why? Because it just looks like it. The ultimate tragedy is the conflict in a Christian marriage because when we have that conflict, it is because it denies all the potential in the marriage that God has given. You're denying the power of the omnipotent God. And it is reflected in our marriages. If you are a Christian, then you have all of the resources necessary to make your relationship all that God intended it. 
And he can make it the marriage before the fall. That's how powerful it is. Remember, I'm no longer a slave to sin. I am a slave to righteousness. You believe that? Then why can't my marriage be righteous? Well, you don't understand that woman. Perhaps I do. The key to this understanding is verse 21, subject to one another in the fear of Christ. So who am I submitted to? One another. The women's submission is basic. God had a beautiful design when he made women. And it has nothing to do with the physical container. The way he designed the heart, soul, and spirit of a woman is impressive. But she submits to him because he, God, has given her to provide and to lead. That's verse 23. Husband is the head of wife as Christ is head of the church. Verse 24. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Why? The husband preserves the wife. He preserves the wife. So she submits lovingly and wantingly and desirously because he is a preserver for her. He is a protector for her. He is a provider for her. And he is the head who cares for her. Okay? Scripture is not chauvinistic. I had a lady one time uh, <laughs> tell me that it was all that patriarchal thing that's killing the women. I was like, wow, man, I didn't know I was killing women. <laughs> that's pretty impressive. I don't even remember what I was preaching on, but I could tell during the whole sermon that it was getting worse. <laughs> you know, like, ooh, I'll stand down here. I, I still believe this, but I'm going to make a smaller target. If you're really honest with Scripture, okay, and you just read it, you'll see that Scripture lifts women up. Who was the first one to see the resurrected Christ? Who was the first one to ever hear that I am the Son of God? Samaritan woman. What is that all about? I mean, hanging on the cross, John, this is your mother. Mother, this is your son. Yeah. I, really? She is exalted. And she is at a place of care. God designed women to be cared for. That's why women have a stronger longing for relationships than men do. Am I lying? But it, it is stuff like that. You know, I can have times that I'm by myself and I don't even realize I'm by myself. And kind of, you're like, wow, man, where is everybody? Not my wife. 
She is exalted to the place of being cared for. She is the object of our protection. She is the object of our provision. She is the object of our concern. Why? Peter says she's the weaker vessel. And she is. The husband is to lift her up and exalt her. Her place is to respond to that care, to respond to that concern. And then the focus of her attention will be on the home. And she'll fulfill her responsibility to love her husband and to love her children. Verse 25, husband, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Love your wives. Okay. Now, if you're having to be told that in Scripture, there might be a problem, eh? And I've already given it to you. I've showed you in Genesis. Men will rule their wives. That is not what that verse says. It says, love them. And then the whole world lies in the lap of the evil one. And so they're out there too. And if you don't believe that marriage, biblical marriage is under attack, turn on the TV. It's everywhere. No, I don't like talking about the politics of it. I'm talking about what they're doing. They are coming after the marriage. Why? Uh, They state it this way. We need to dissolve the nuclear family. I didn't even know we had anything radioactive in the house. But they want to do that. Why? Where does authority and following come from? From the family. So if we get rid of that, what do we have? Chaos. It is hard to do that, men, to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Why? Well, you're cursed. You're cursed. You want to rule over. You want to dominate. You want to control. I want to tell you and you must listen to what I say. That never worked for me. Everything under verse 21 is submitting by loving them. You love them. And that's submission. We are to love our wives. But remember, I've already shared this. It's a mutual submission. Verse 21. Submit to each other and fear of Christ. I read a quote the other day. It says, Grumbling has destroyed more churches than heresy. Sinclair Ferguson. Grumbling comes from where? Too much love. It is a tendency for men to dominate the woman. Human nature and the sin of this world, and it's all sealed by a curse, and men are that way. It is our nature. It is our nature. Listen, look at our society. What does our society do with men? He's a macho guy. Okay, you don't see little wimpy dudes playing Rambo. 
I mean, even the good-hearted ones, uh, Texas Walker, what's his name? Walker, Texas Ranger. Chuck Norris. Yeah, you don't see. Oh, don't yell at me. You don't see that. We want men exalted. And yet all that does is show our depravity. It is a manifestation of the sinfulness of men who abuse women. Use women. You know what? When I see that, and I've seen it a lot, they're walking on the glory of women. And that, to me, is an abomination. An abomination. It says here that women are to love your wives. It's agapao. Agapo, it's the verb of agape. Agape is the noun that you see, love. Agapo is the verb, it's the action. Yes, the man has authority in the marriage. Yes, man has leadership in the marriage. Absolutely. But this verse in 25 does not say, Husbands, rule over your wife. Husbands, order your wives around. Husbands, dominate your wives. Is not what it says. It says, love them. That's cool. I mean, you think about it. Well, that makes sense. Probably ought to do that, huh? Unless you want to sleep in the garage. (laughs) Probably ought to. Okay, but you know what I really like? God is so faithful. He even tells me how to love. I want you to love your wife. And this is how I want you to love. This will be the manner of love. So I asked myself a question when I walked into this. Had both eyes open, both ears open, and thought, Oh, Lordy, let's teach on kids. I asked myself this question. How does Christ love the church? I have heard in my role as what I do in this church, this statement way too many times. Maybe that's why we're so small. I don't love her anymore. And the reasons are, she spends too much. She only buys the best, we can't afford it. She's cheated on me. She's committed adultery, I know, and you commit adultery, big boot. Let me ask you a question. How did Christ love the church? Can you tell me what verse specifically when he ever said, I don't love her anymore? You ever read the seven churches of Asia Minor and Revelations? There's a whole bunch of them I wouldn't love anymore. But he never says that. It's interesting, don't you think? Even when the church played the harlot, 
How does Christ love His church? See, we like to get into the grand things because we're men. He hung on the cross and He died for her. Don't hold these offenses against them. Okay? That's how I am. I am. I will lay my life down for my wife. And we all go, uh, bravo, bravo. Okay, let me give you another thought. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrated His own love towards us in that while we were yet Sinners, Christ died for us. Hmm. That's how much he loved the church. Well, let's get an even clearer picture here. Verse 10. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of Christ. That's how much Christ loved the church. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. While we were enemies, He died for us because of His love. How did Christ love the church? He gave the greatest gift for the most unworthy people. And I would even argue sometimes ungrateful. The gulf between us and Christ is so incredibly wide, you and I can't comprehend it. He is absolutely holy. He is absolutely righteous. He knows no sin. Do you realize Christ has never, ever, 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 nor will ever have a sinful thought go between his ears? That's how sinless he is. He can't have a sinful thought. And I know we don't ever struggle with that. He knows no sin. He is unblemished. He is unspotted. He has no personal understanding of sinfulness. He is without flaw. The absolute perfect one makes the absolutely ultimate sacrifice for the absolute worst of enemies and sinners. That is Christ's love for the church. That is how he loves the church. I'll tell you a story. Young couple got married. This is a few years ago. And they come out in their wedding bliss. It's my honeymoon. And they get into a horse and carriage. And they head off for their honeymoon. Short ways down the road. Of course, they got the cans and stuff hanging on the back of it. The horse jumps around, bounces around. And the guy yells at the horse, That's one! They go down a little farther. Horse does it again. That's two. Horse settles down. They get going again. They walk down a little farther. 
Horse starts jumping around again. Guy jumps out of the buggy, takes out a pistol, and shoots the horse. That's three. His wife says, Oh, my God! What have you done? And he says, That's one. Listen, that is not a basis for marriage. Okay? If that was God's standard... We all go to hell. We all go to hell. He is absolutely holy. He is absolutely righteous. And he made the ultimate sacrifice for the most vile. All right? And I don't care who you are. You can say, well, you don't understand. I I know what your past is like. I wasn't nowhere near that. You know what? You just stepped into the level of Satan. Because Satan's pride said, you know, I can be like God. I got news for you. I don't care. Just because you were born of Adam makes you the vilest of sinners. That's what I tell people when they want to confront me. I said, let me tell you something. The only difference between you and me, I did what you thought about. It's the only difference. Okay? Absolutely holy for the absolutely most despicable that there is. So let me ask you a question, gentlemen. What can be your wife's problem? We are as close to our wives as Christ is to sinners. And yet, Christ loves us. Listen, don't forget. I mean, I, your wife may be a sinner. <laughs> so are you. So are you. Listen. If you don't love her anymore, you're disobedient to the command of God. Well, you don't understand, preacher. She's a tough cookie to love. No, you are. I've heard this. Sitting as a pastor. I need to tell you something really cool. I said, what's that? The Lord has brought someone new into my life. <laughs> You're like, what? I've, I've heard this a lot of times in this church. Please. This isn't just mega church teaching. I've heard people. Let me tell you something. I've heard them come up to me and says, you know, this ain't working here. I got somebody new and I believe this is God's will. I will tell you straight to your face and without even a smile or breaking a sweat. That is not true. It's a lie from the pit of hell. I heard a pastor who has the Crystal Palace or whatever that place is in California. He said he was on a radio show. Answering questions and answer. And the lady called in and says, you know what? Me and my husband just ain't getting it off right now. And what do you think about divorce? He says, well, I think you just married the wrong one. So go ahead and divorce him and then keep looking around and God will bring you the right one. Really? What can be your wife's problem? that Christ has not tolerated in the church. 
Listen, I'll start to wrap this up. If you're the holiest guy in the entire universe, more righteous than Job was in the East, and she was the vilest of sinners, it would not change God's command to love her. Have you ever read the book of Hosea? Dude, that'll break you. He was a priest, a righteous man. Got married, happy. She took off, became a harlot, started having multiple kids with multiple men. God made Hosea continue to pay her bills. So she had food in the bed of harlot tree. Take care of her. Take care of her. Why? I gave her to you. She was so wore out from having babies and selling sex that they set her on a post to be sold as a slave. If anybody wanted it. God ordered Hosea to buy her, take her home and care for her. That was God giving Israel an illustration of how the nation was to their God thing holds through today. I want to show you something and we'll close. Chapter 8 of Romans, verse 35. Interesting text. Okay. How does Christ love the church? How do husbands love their wives? Verse 35. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Who will separate you from the love of your wife? Look at verse 38. I am convinced, Paul says, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Gentlemen, you are to love your wives as Christ loved the church. And that's how Christ loves the church. Nothing can separate us from his love. Now you have to turn that and say amen and I will love my wife the same way. You'd better be relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you walk out of here thinking you're going to do it, we'll all know it by Tuesday morning. We'll love you anyway, but we'll know it. Let's pray. Father, we come now to give you the glory. Father, you created marriage. You created the family. And Father, man in his evilness is trying his best to destroy it. Starting with me, Lord, starting with this congregation, may the husbands be what God created. And that, Father, may the women realize their role, their position, and rejoice. Love you, Father. In Christ's name.
Amen.